Welcome back to the second episode of Adopted, a podcast made by Asian adoptees for Asian adoptees. We're joined today by our special guest, Mitchell. Hello, this is Mitchell. Um, I'm a Korean-American adoptee, 22 years old, just living in Colorado. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be on the show and uh, yeah, let's uh, have a good conversation today. Yeah, it's great to have you. Um, so today we're going to be discussing whether or not we're searching for our birth parents, lost doctor um, DNA testing, and returning to our birth countries. So to start off this episode, we're going to open the floor with the question, are you searching for your birth parents? Why or why not? I know for me, um, I am not currently searching, but when I was younger, my mom offered to do that with me. She said, if this is something you ever want to do, whether it be now or down the line, um, I would be more than happy to help you in whatever way that I can. Um, so the option has always been on the table for me. Uh, and now that I'm older, I've definitely considered it a lot more. But at this current point in time, I'm still not. It's nice how your parents are so supportive of that. Um, thankfully, too, my parents uh, had said, like, you know, if I ever wanted to search, they understand and they took no offense. They would take no offense to it. The closest I've started to looking for my birth parents is just putting out this adoption poster, which has your baby face, your current face, um, the name that was on your adoption paper, and just your WeChat ID. So if hopefully someone sees it and they maybe recognize, oh, this little person looks like someone I know, they can reach out to you. Uh, other than that, I don't really have anything to go on. Like many of us, I was just told I was left on the steps of a bank, um, and that's all we have. There's nothing else. There's no piece of cloth or message or anything left with me for me to even start a search. The funny thing is that you mentioned that because I was uh, looking to do that thing too, where you know you make the poster and you submit it to someone who posts uh, puts posters of it up in the city that you were found. But then they told me that... Um, it had been successful so far. And I was like a little worried about putting myself out that far because like I didn't want to get my hopes up. But I don't know if, if that's a problem for you guys. Yeah, I think it's scary too the idea of being so like open and vulnerable about something that is, you know, so personal. Um, and like you guys said, there's not a whole lot of information to go on. Uh, the only clue that I have is that I was found at a police station, um, and actually for. The first couple of years of my life, somebody from the orphanage was sending my mom and my family like Chinese clothes and things that I could wear. Um, so there was an idea, maybe this is my birth family, or maybe it's just somebody who really liked me, but kind of what we've got. How about you, Mitchell? Um, yeah, so I, I've been looking. Um, I started about like three to six months ago. And at least for me, the the process was very streamlined. Uh, they have I was given a lot of information at my uh, from my agency when I was born, and they just gave it to me, gave it to my parents, my my adopted parents uh, when I was adopted. So I think the process was a lot at least simpler. Uh, and I think the I think the difference, especially between the Korean system and the Chinese system, uh, is I think the Korean system is a, bit, a little bit more developed, uh, and it was. I was adopted in the 90s, and at, at that point in the 90s, I believe uh, Korea had over like 100,000 adopted children go out in that decade. So it was a lot. Um, so there was, it was a really good process and a very, um, it was very helpful for me. Um, but I also think, though, there's always, with adoption, it's just always difficult, um, regardless, just because 
you you I might have been able to you know get the address and might have been easy to get in contact. But after that, it's I think it's still kind of the same. It's very difficult to go on from there. So. Yeah, I can definitely understand. Were you ever worried um, if even if they gave you the information that it would be false or maybe they, they were connecting you to the wrong thing or they mistied your name to who you were? That's a good question that I never considered. Um, but I I have a lot of trust actually in the system because uh, at least for my records, like they told me, you know, my parents' age, their their religion, even their first names. And I think that... They technically could be lying on any of that stuff, but I just feel like why would you go above and beyond to list that information when it really you could have just admitted it? Um, and I guess they could try to do the best they can to fill in that information and maybe it was mandatory, but I still feel like, you know, why would you provide that information if you're just, if you're intending to like, uh, obfuscate it or something like that. So, um, I don't think so. Uh, I think most of it's pretty legitimate. I can't say that for a lot of adoptees. Um, I definitely think back in the 80s, the 70s and 80s, it definitely wasn't like that. But I think in the 90s, um, it was a lot more streamlined and a lot more, um, I think there's a lot more, ver- uh, there is a lot more verified, I would say. And the the, the vetting process was a lot more um, stringent, I think, and pretty rigid. So, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. You have so much information. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. Yeah, well, because even in that, like, the um they left a note even saying like yeah i had like four siblings um that are older than me all born in the 80s as well so it's like i think so they yeah they gave me a lot of information so i don't really see where like again they don't have to provide any of that information really um so it's almost like i always think it's like almost like they want to be found almost or something <laughs> so but then it's just have you ever wanted to do like a dna test because i think maybe your siblings if they kind of knew about you maybe they'd have submitted one have you done a dna test i actually have i did one through i forgot it was it was a free testing kit it wasn't done through one of the big ones um it was a smaller one um but i don't know that's a good question about connection because i the one thing about my my family is that they're not very rich they're actually very poor so i would i was thinking that even if that was an opportunity for me i'm not sure that my siblings or my parents would really have that opportunity um, just because even my birth parents, they're much older. They're in their forties and fifties when they had me. So it's like, it's very hard to, I, I would, I would never really ever think that they'd do something like that, honestly, um, just because of technology and just different generations. So it's a, I mean, I think about it here and there, maybe with my siblings more so, but I think I actually have a better chance of like just doing more research and using like maybe a private investigator or some sort of investigation. And that'd probably get me further along than DNA testing, but it is a cool idea at least. And it would be very interesting to see where that could lead. Um, but that's at least the way I look at it. And I don't really know actually how that would develop. So that's cool. So like, did your DNA test cover like, um, like medical history or did it give you like um, your origins? Kind of like, you know, like some do like, oh, you're 95% Korean, like 2% Chinese. Did it give you any of that information? Yes. It gave that information. Yeah, it was like, I think it was like 90, 95% Korean and it was like 2% like a Mongolian and like 2% think Chinese or something mm-hmm. very similar to that. But no information on medical history all that much. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, even in my my uh, my record though, this is relating to the health piece, but they they detailed some of that. Like they're saying, like my mom, I believe my birth mom was uh, she had um, natural double eyelids. I don't know why they listed that, but they said that. Um, and then they said like she was outgoing and um, yeah, so it was very it was highly detailed, which I thought was very interesting. Um, and then for my birth father, it was like he was very short. Um, he was work. He worked as a street collector, a garbage collector, uh, and he was introverted and very reserved. So it's like I, I don't even know. Like it, it would be interesting to look at the actual medical history, but um, I don't have anything like that. But I also feel like the other information is more. It's very substantial. So I don't know. And, and even for my sister, uh, my sister had on her record that her parents had diabetes. So it's like they're highly specific in our record for some reason. So, yeah, I mean, it's good, though, because I know what whenever I go to the doctor and they ask, you know, do you have a history of this? No idea. That's a great question. I wish both of us knew that. Um, So that is really cool that you have all this information and you have all this records. I definitely agree when you said, you know, the amount of detail you have, it would be almost way too much work to fake something like that. So I think that's that's definitely really cool. Actually, one of the things that um, Mitchell uh, brought up was possibly hiring a personal investigator. Are any of you guys thinking of that? If like, let's say hypothetical scenario right now, you have the money, you have the resources, would you do that? Oh, I don't know how that works. Does someone just like go through your medical or go through like the adoption papers and try and trace it back? Um, From what my understanding of it is, is that and pardon me if I'm wrong, I haven't actually done it yet since I didn't bother and I don't have the money at all. But I understand it as um, someone is basically doing a lot of the in-depth research for you and they can kind of serve as a mediator. So even something like looking at Chinese documents or communicating with the agency, the adoption agency, the actual building in China, if like that still exists or any public records that are there and kind of digging through all that information for you and trying to dig up leads, just like a normal um, investigator, detective. Yeah, for sure. If I had the resources, that'd be really cool. Well, yeah, I the, the one thing about private investigators is that they're, they can be kind of pricey. And with, even with that, it takes probably some of the inside knowledge of the system. So that's the hardest part, I think, is like private investigators in the United States is probably fine. But to do it in another country like China or a Korea, I think, would be a little bit tougher just because, again, you'd have to have some sort of connection to somebody that knows the system um, and to know even like even about the certain like adoption processes, not even just like the general legal procedures, just the adoption, because that's a very difficult thing, I think, to to get into. But I mean, with with any resource, it'd be fine, you know, if with a financial resource and a backing, wouldn't it be difficult at all? But it's just like, I don't think most of us have that enough money to do that and nor do i think in some cases it's like it would get you very far at least i don't know how far it'd get me so right i feel like for china um it may not even be worth it honestly because as you um as some people have mentioned there is like there could is possible like falsification of papers and maybe for in korea like the amount of detail that you have is that would be silly to make up for anyone just for some random reason. So a possibly a personal investigator would be really helpful for you. 
But me, I once thought about it, but as I thought more, I didn't think it was actually ever worth it unless I was like super rich. Because if I look at the area that I was born in and China in general, the documentation isn't super accurate there, especially when you're in more of the rural villages. So, agreed. Yeah, that makes sense. So, have I know I haven't done a DNA test, but has anyone else done one? I have. I did um, the 23andMe. I did the health and ancestry, since, like Amy mentioned, going to the doctor, they always ask, "Do you have these like preconditions, preexisting conditions? Do they run in your family?" And I'm like, "Well, man, you know just as much as I do about that. <laughs> we are playing a game of roulette over here." <laughs> so, what did you find? So. Or are you still waiting on results? Uh, I got the results a while ago. I was hoping for something a little more interesting. So it's kind of like a win and a loss in that a win in that um, health-wise, it said I don't have any markers for high likelihoods to different diseases or anything. So it says I should be fine, hey. supposedly. That's good. Uh, downside is like it was kind of a boring result in that it said, hey, you're 99 point like 2% Chinese. No wow. way. Totally didn't know that. <laughs> so, but it was definitely interesting to do. Um, and I have thought about doing some of the alternative DNA testing. But I know right now with Asians, it's slowly becoming more accurate, but not quite there yet. And really the only accurate one that could even connect me to China is China's system. But I don't really know if I trust my DNA with China. <laughs> How about you guys? Um, I've thought about it, um, but one, my mom and some of my other friends are a little bit more on the side of just being cautious about who we're giving our DNA to. Um, I was a criminal justice major, and we talked about some the implications that giving your DNA over to companies like this could have for the criminal justice system, so I've been cognizant of that. Um, in addition, being Chinese is a very big part of my identity. My family was amazing at trying to um, show me my heritage and my culture as much as possible um, from my background. I read this story on Reddit or something like that about a person who was adopted, um, granted in the United States, so it was in the same state, um, but he was adopted by a white family and they took him to Chinese school. He, you know, it became a very big part of his identity as well. Um, And he really connected with the culture. I think he studied, you know, Chinese American um, relations and things like that and for whatever reason they had to look at his original documentation from the orphanage and the the boy was Korean um I think I think about that story a lot and I don't know what I would do I think I would just break in half um if my entire life I thought I was Chinese and then bam nope (laughs) even though I'm from adopted from China and I know the odds of that actually happening are pretty much impossible just the idea of that has kind of always scared me yeah that kind of makes sense because i mean we already have so little like about our origins we don't want to lose like another thing me personally um i just haven't done any dna tests uh because they're quite expensive so hopefully one day i will because i actually do think that it's important for me to know my medical history have you guys had any desire oh sorry mitchell did you want to something oh no i was just commenting on that yeah it's uh I think it's a case by case sort of thing too. Um, it's definitely it'd be ni- it'd be all, it'd always be nice to know these things, but you're right; it can be very pricey, and the uh, confidentiality of all of it can be kind of tricky as well. So it's like 
you it's it's kind of worth considering like even if it is worth it either from a financial standpoint or even from a security standpoint so i can understand how how i would how i'd feel about that because i was very hesitant about it as well actually mitchell you, i was curious about this you said you did a free test do you know if um korea has their own kind of dna bank system and if you can do tests towards that or it's a good question. I actually never considered it. I never even looked it up. Um, it'd be a good thing to look into, though. I actually got my test, though, through an adoption camp and a camps that I've uh, volunteered at in Colorado here. Uh, they sent out an email that, yeah, they just said, you know, if you tell us your story and you, like, basically sign up and you give us some information, yeah, we'll give you a free kit. And so that's kind of what I did. Um, I don't – it wasn't, like, a very special kit, though, and I don't think even the company was, like, the greatest. But it was a free kit and it was very interesting. So and it was a very nice gesture and a very nice it's very nice to get it done. So Okay, so I'm gonna move on to our next question, which is do you have a desire or have you already returned to your birth country? I personally was gonna go visit China this year. Um, but unfortunately because of the coronavirus that has not happened. But I'm hoping to go um within the next couple of years i have not yet been back so i know it's going to be a, a very emotional See, trip. i was yeah i can agree i was thinking about going back this year too um since i had just graduated um but i was also thinking when like i just always pictured college would be a good time to go before you start your life and like kind of look back at what your life could have been and see the country you would have been born in the town and everything but yeah, as coronavirus has now stopped any plans of that. Um, I have though been back to China. My parents took us, took my brother and I on a family trip to China. We kind of explored Northern China. And then uh, my mom and I separately went to a uh, trip to Hong Kong as like a mother daughter trip because she really wanted me to see what China's like, see the culture um, and get to know my background more so. That's really nice. I like how your mom was really supportive about that growing up. Yeah, I actually got uh, super lucky on like the cultural side of it in a way in that um, technically I am adopted into a transracial adoptive family, but technically I'm not since my adoptive mother is Chinese, but my adoptive father is Pakistani. So it kind of worked out that I got that Asian background, but also with like a little spice into it. <laughs> yeah, that is cool. Um, so that is very interesting. Has anyone else been back to their birth country, or is planning to? I also have. I also have not, but um, I definitely. It's something I. It's on. I don't have a bucket list, but this is on my bucket list. Um, and my mom and my parents in general kept like little journals about the things that they saw. Um, for me, they kind of. Through the adoption agency, a whole group of people who were adopting from the same area went together as like a family trip um, for all like maybe 10 or 12 different families adopting at the same time. They went through, they toured the area, um, and I kind of want to take those journals and as cheesy as it sounds, I want to retrace my parents' steps and see what they saw when they went to adopt me. Um, so it's definitely something I've been thinking about, but I have no idea when. That sounds so nice. It's my cheesy, sentimental moment for the week. It's not cheesy. No, it's not cheesy at all. <laughs> it's really it sweet. Is sweet. Yeah. If my parents had a journal of everything, I would have done the same. 
What about you, Mitchell? I've actually been three times. I went in 2014, 2016, and then 2018. So I think it's a two-year gap each time. That's awesome. So, Did you visit the town you were born in? Uh, with Korea, it's like, that's the one weird thing about the information that they gave me. It's like, it's a very general area. Um, technically, I was like born in the, they have Seoul, which is the capital. And then mm -hmm. they have this place called Gyeonggi-do, which is like the whole surrounding area, like the very outskirts of Seoul. But just said stat, that's Gyeonggi-do, which is like, again, that's a very vague. So and to answer your question, kind of, <laughs> a little bit. But I think like in general, it's like I got to see my agency and I think that's the most important part, so. And did you go with like family, friends? Yeah, I went, uh, each time I went with my mom, my, um, and then I also went with each, a different sibling each time. And my, uh, firstly, my oldest sister, then my younger sister, and then my younger brother. So, and each time they got to also see all their records and everything. So each one of the trips was very, very unique and very interesting. Um, just because I got to, yeah, when, since I got to see all of, like, I was there for each one of their, like, when they got to go to the orphanage and uh, the agency as well. So um, I obviously couldn't be in with them, with them when they're talking and going over it, but just from what they told me, it's very interesting um, and very cool to see that. So. So it sounds like really special. That's really special that you guys can do that with each other. Yeah. Well, and like, for example, like the first one my, with my older sister, since her mother was 16 when she had her, she had to go to a different house. Uh, she went to the agency, but the agency also referred her to another place, which was like a, a place for unwed mothers and like basically teenage mothers and just like basically any mother that didn't have any support from a male figure. Um, and that was very interesting and just how different it all was. Um, so it was, that's yeah, very interesting to see it all happen and all go down. So. so do you or any of your siblings speak Korean or have you wanted to learn? Uh, no, I just had, I just have a very like basic level of Korean. Um, but it's all, I've always had an interest in it. And especially after going to Korea multiple times, I definitely want to learn and continue learning. Um, especially as I get older, cause that's something I want to pass down as best as I can. So. I know for me, I've tried so many times to learn Chinese on my own and also with my boyfriend who's Chinese. And the tones for me in Chinese, I just cannot get them no matter how hard I try. Oh, same. I've tried it through like Chinese classes, tried it through apps, tried um, even using Discord to talk to some people who are also learning Chinese. And I feel like it's, like I've, I know there's studies on it, but it definitely really feels like I'm past that age where my tongue can develop the tones properly. Like I feel like if I do, I'll always have this American accent to it. And in Chinese, that's kind of one of the worst things to have. And also just memorizing everything is almost impossible. Yes. Um, but my parents always did try to enforce that I learn Chinese, regardless of background, but just that they predicted it would be the next kind of strong country power and they, it'd be helpful to have that in the business world which they're right <laughs> for me i really want to go to china also to see some of the landmarks aside from like going to my hometown like i want to go to like the great wall and like the forbidden city and i also um want to go to like shanghai and like hong kong and do all the like touristy stuff for fun 
I don't know if you guys. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think honestly going all the way over there and not doing that would be such a waste for that plane. True. That's yeah. true. And I it really- just sucks now. Uh, yeah. Oh, sorry, Mitchell. <laughs> oh, no, it's cool. But yeah, no, it's, yeah, I, it's traveling is fun. And especially when you travel to your, back to your, your homeland, so to speak. Um, so yeah. Was it an emotional trip for you being the first time? First time, definitely. Um, I, I'm, I was writing about it a little bit, but it's like, yeah, it's tough. It's, uh, you definitely sometimes feel like a fish out of water. At least I did. Uh, you feel like, yeah, you feel like perhaps you're supposed to know what it's supposed to feel like, but you have like reminiscences and like ideas in your head of what it feels like. And you do feel things, but it's also like, you feel like a weird sense of disconnect and connect at the same time. Like, I don't know how to explain it. At least personally, that's uh, how I felt. So it's, it's 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 definitely a unique experience and everybody has to experience it their own way but i think there's always a common theme of like definitely a feeling of loss uh and being stuck in between both of the places um where you're you were born and raised versus the place you were well i guess the place where you were born and versus the place you were raised so mm, definitely i can understand where you're coming from with that um yeah. i was actually going to ask you guys this too cuz that's something i was thinking of when we were talking about um, possibly going back to, you know, our birth towns and just our birth country in general, is there anyone specific you guys were thinking of who you'd want to go back with? Since I know for me, I would either want to go back with my mother or possibly with like my significant other, just so that I have that emotional support when I'm there. Because like Mitchell, like I have a feeling of how I'm going to react, but at the same time, you never really have a clue of how you are and you kind of want someone there as support during that. Unfortunately for me, my mom has been very adamant um, that she will not go back to China. So I don't have, I probably won't be going back with her. Um, so it would either be with um, a significant other or another adoptee. I think that would also be really nice because I think then you can also, you go through the experience together. Yeah, definitely. How about you, Amy? Um. That's a great question. It's something that I've given just a little bit of thought of. I don't know who I would go back with. I don't have any siblings. Um, I definitely would want somebody there with me for that emotional support system. But, oh my God, can you imagine? That would be so cute. Um, especially, I think we might have talked about this last episode, but we're from similar, like, relatively close places, I believe. Yes, see, we are. So does Paul. Oh my gosh. But uh, I don't, I don't know who it would be, but definitely something I'll mull over when it gets closer. Are you ready for the last question? Let's do it. Okay, so having discussed all of this, birth parents and like our adopted parents a little bit, who do you consider to be your parents? I know my whole life I have hated the question, who are your real parents? When I say these are my parents. For me, the people who adopt me, the people who raise me, who've cared for me since the day they met me, those are my parents. And that's kind of it for me. Um, the people who are my birth parents, you know, I'm grateful that I was born um, and they chose to put me in a place where I could be found for adoption. But I don't know them. Um, but my real parents, 
uh, with people I call mom and dad. Sweet. For me, I'm also thankful that my birth parents did not kill me when they found out I was a girl. Uh, quite a few other babies weren't so lucky, but I would also agree the parents, I, the people I consider my parents are the ones who adopted me, raised me, put up with me through all these years. <laughs> I agree with yeah. you guys. You know, Mitchell. Uh, I think that's a good question. And honestly, I don't like answering it just because it's like, it's a very, that's a tricky situation. It's almost like asking your like somebody like, who do you love more? You know, your, your mom or your dad or your this sibling or that, like you really shouldn't be forced to choose per se of like, which one is the most valid, you know, at least in my opinion. And I think that's exactly why, you know, my parents made it very clear. <laughs> that's ironic, but yeah. My my adopted parents made it very clear, you know, like these, your birth parents are your birth parents and they are also your parents. It's like maybe my answer to that question is, can they both be my parents? Because they both are. Um, one of them raised me at the very beginning and one of them just took over and raised me for the rest of the time. So I don't know. I, that's the way I look at it. Um, and maybe that's like a, the best non-answer I can give. Um, but I don't know. I think exactly. I think that's kind of the reason why we call them birth parents, adopted parents. Uh, and I even have foster parents because I was raised by a foster mom when I was out there. So it's like all three of those are still a part of my family, you know, and I would never say that they're not, you know, and the nature of it is definitely different. But I think they still are, you know, parents, parents and parents. So, yeah, I can definitely see um, the perspective you're coming from. And I kind of like had a similar mentality when I was younger in that I considered both to be my parents. And I remember for me, when I first went out, I was adopted, I really wanted to know who my birth parents were. And, you know, I felt that as like, that was a part of me, like they are a part of me. Um, but I were finally, like, as I grew older, I started to feel that my adoptive parents are my full and like kind of only my only parents since they've been with me through so much. And I am so appreciative and so grateful for the opportunity that my birth parents gave me. And like Maya said, that they didn't kill me off and that they left me somewhere for someone to find me. And, you know, with the hopes of giving me a better life. But I think past that, they really are strangers to me. And the term parents is something that's very personal. Very, It's like a, it's a full relationship to me. And I feel like that's something that my adoptive parents deserve the title of because they're the ones who have cultivated that. They have spent years helping raise me and like um, kind of help me become the person I am today and support me through everything that I've been through. Sure. Yeah. And like this question yeah. is good because there is no right answer. I know like for a lot of adoptees, um, that's like one of the reasons why I wanted to create this podcast was that I wanted to give adoptees a voice and so they hear things that maybe aren't like conventional or they maybe they have opinions that other adoptees that they know don't agree with. But I want to like give a voice to all the emotions and like opinions that they have because there is no right one. It's all like based on your experience. It's very personal to each person. I do agree with Maya that um, a lot of people like sometimes in, a, in the community, it does seem like everyone swings a certain way. So having a platform where you can hear other people's opinions and opinions that are different from the majority really helps. So you don't feel like, oh, you know, I feel this way, but is that wrong? Yeah, I wanted to like validate everyone's opinions. And like, 
if you're listening and you don't hear your opinion, still doesn't mean that your opinion's not right. It just means that we didn't have someone with your opinion on here. Your opinion's still very valid. And if you haven't heard your opinion, we'd love to have you on to hear your opinion. Shoot us an email. Let us know what you think. Uh, so before we finish off today's episode, are there any final thoughts, comments you guys want to share? Anything we've discussed? Any of the questions? I think it was really cool, Mitchell, to hear your experience and the things that you've um, lived through. Uh, as somebody who just adopted from China, I only get that one perspective, but hearing things from one, your personal background, as well as the Korean perspective, really awesome. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. Yeah, and it's definitely also for me good to hear other people's opinions, you know. Um, I also think it's interesting, too, just from my perspective of being a male, and I know at least for in China's case, there aren't a lot of Chinese male adoptees. So it's also good to have, I don't know, just different opinions um, from different perspectives. Um, because I I personally know a little a few uh, male adoptees, mostly from Korea, but it's also good just to give that opinion out because um, they do exist. <laughs> Hard to believe, but yes, they do exist. So, yeah. Well, yeah, because there's the difference between why um china has so many adoptees and why korea has adoptees like there's different oh, yeah, reasons there's, yeah, for it yeah exactly. right and it's just good to add color to it all so absolutely plus it's fascinating to learn about since i mean i, n- I remember the first time we talked i was so shocked when you said that you're a korean male adoptee because i've never met a male adoptee nor have i really met many korean op- adoptees so you have a story right, that I'd yeah. love to hear more about in future episodes. For sure. Okay. So thank you, Mitchell, for joining us today and giving us your opinions. Um, and thank you to all the listeners who joined us as well. If you're interested in participating in one of these episodes, please email us at adoptedpodcast at gmail.com. We would absolutely love to have you on and hear your opinion and hear what you have to share. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram. You can find us at adopted underscore podcast to stay connected and see updates about what's going on with the adopted team. See you guys next week.